Hey folks, Apostle Lewis here with you. Today in episode two of the weekly Kingdom Outlook, I'm going to sit there and share with you how Israel has a prophetic promise of restoration, how Israel will play a part in our own resurrection. And so let's go. But before we get on to the talk, would you go ahead and like and subscribe, rumble if you must, do what you have to do, like the video, share the video. Let's go. folks episode two of uh, weekly kingdom outlook and i started the series last time on dealing with prophetic um, uh, timetables and stuff like that israel is our prophetic clock and today i want to touch on how israel has this prophetic promise israel and israelites we're going to see both of them have a future but we're also going to talk about uh, that that future is the spiritual side of israel which is what every christian has been grafted into. There's a couple of things that I'll get into in another part, but we have to understand Christians have both been grafted into Christ and into Abraham or Israel as well, because they are the covenants and God has grafted us into them. That's why all the promises, say that with me, all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Not the curses of the covenants, but the promises are. All of them are yes and amen. By the way, the curse of the New Covenant is the worst of them all. Okay? I mean, if you deny Christ, you go to hell forever. That's the worst of them all. All right. Pull up a cup of coffee, sit down, and let's just go over a couple of scriptures. I don't want to take long on these, but I do want to give you some information. Now, one thing that we're going to see in um, when we're dealing with the covenant, with, with Christ, we're going to see that... Uh, Christ is going to come and he's going to set down on the Mount of Olives. It says this, speaking of the Lord, if you go to Zechariah and uh, chapter 14, let's turn there first. And I've just, I just got a couple of verses. I'm going to read a little long passage in Romans. I want us to see um, Paul's heart for the Israelites. I want you to understand that the Jews, Israelites, those who don't believe in Messiah, God has not forgotten about them. He has a plan for the generation coming. All right. And it could be right now. Um, it could be in this season. It could be in this hour. But I just want to give this. All right. Uh, let's start at verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in the midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rift, and the women uh, ravished. Half the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Now, um, I believe that one of the days of the Lord was eighty seventy or that time frame. It was, we, we really don't understand how bad it was. And I can, I can go into this briefly here. I'll go into it maybe a little length another time. And you could put in comments, you'd like me to go into that more or something. But if you turn to Luke chapter 4, it's a very interesting part of Scripture. And you know this Scripture probably very well, especially if you're of the Pentecostal charismatic, you believe in praying in tongues, and you're, you're focused on the Spirit. 
Jesus quotes from Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of the sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's where Jesus stops quoting Isaiah. But that's not all that is, um, that's not all that Isaiah said. And Jesus stops short of one more line. So here he comes and he's, he's proclaiming the gospel. But the next line of that prophecy given in Isaiah was to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And so you go, wait a minute, why did Jesus stop? Because Jesus' first mention was to preach the kingdom, to bring the kingdom, to bring heaven to earth, to, to manifest and release the kingdom of God. He does this. Okay, but it's not until Luke 21 that Jesus actually finishes the prophecy when he's describing the tribulation that's coming upon Jerusalem. And when Jesus does this, if I can, you know, when you have a new Bible, because my other one started to break apart. So before one breaks apart, I get another one, the same one, and I start transferring notes just so I'll have it. Um, he, he says this. See if I get this right. All right. Verse 20 of Luke 21 says here. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, when we just read that, right? Just read that. Surrounded by armies and know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart and let those who are in the country not enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. That is Zechariah chapter 14, but it's not the promise of a recovery. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. Some people, you know, you get people who think, well, that's the rapture and your baby's just going to come out and go to heaven. And No, it's not. It's talking about woe to you because can you imagine traveling? If it's winter time, can you imagine traveling? Can you imagine getting on a donkey and have to travel and flee for your life? Josephus recorded that no Christians were held inside Jerusalem because they were told to flee. They were literally told this in the three Gospels, in Matthew chapter 24, in Mark 13, and Luke 21. They were told to not go back, to get out of there. They did that. And, we'll, and if you look at... Uh, Mark's gospel, we see that four apostles come to him and, and they they make sure of this, all right? And so, and they says this, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled, all right? So it, you see the, 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 the judgment, and by the way, was the judgment warranted? Absolutely. Israel had become, Jerusalem especially even, had become a harlot. It said, you looked at your sister and you became, you know, even more of a harlot than her. I mean, the, the graphic language which the prophets speak of Jerusalem and Israel is pretty, pretty um, uh, um, explicit. 
And uh, a lot of times we don't like that. But it says this, And in that day, his feet will stand on a mountain of olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half toward the south. Okay, so we see Jesus is coming back, and he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split. All right, just, just so we can stay there. All right, so, and then we, if we go to Matthew 25, all right, Jesus talking about his return to Jerusalem, 31 through 34. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will be separate. Uh, he will separate be, uh, them from one from another. A shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepare for you, prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Now, I want to I possibly, huh, this is where I get in trouble with people, but I'm not going to go there. We see that Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem has a significant role or prophecy. And my point of this part is, is that we have to understand that America doesn't have that prophecy. America is not the new Israel. You know, um, God is a covenant. Uh, remember, he gave Abraham that land. Do you understand that? He gave it to Abraham. Jesus is not. Jesus has a, 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 a responsibility and covenant with a faithful Abraham. By the way, who you've been grafted into. And we'll talk about that more uh, as we go along. I just want to. I want to focus on a couple things in Romans 11 in this week's thing. I'm, I want you to understand that it's really important that you pay attention to some of these things. And um, I don't believe all Jews are going to heaven. I believe you need Jesus. Okay? But I believe God loves the Jew. And we'll see here what Paul says in Romans 11. All right. Let's read. I'm going to read pretty extensively here. And... The reason for this is because I really want this in context. I don't want to just pull a couple scriptures out. I really want you to hear what the Apostle Paul uh, says here. Okay? It's really important. Verse 11. Now, read 9, chapter 9, 10, and 11, and you get a really good picture of this. But I really, I'm going to give you some advice. Sit down on a Saturday morning. It's going to take you a little time. But read the book of Romans out loud verse by verse, and just read it. Maybe you and your wife sit there. You and a prayer buddy sit there and just take turns reading it, but listen to what it's saying. Because it's a it's 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 a letter. It's not multiple topics. It's actually Paul is trying to tell the Gentile believers, you are now by covenant, you are grafted in, and you now have this inheritance with Israel, the true Israel of God. Okay. He says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says to Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. And I alone, alone am left and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? 
I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, even that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, to this very day. You know, Jesus, remember Jesus said, they said, Jesus, why are you talking parables? This is really profound. This is what Jesus says. He says, to you it's been given to know the mysteries, but to them it hasn't. He said, I speak in parables so that hearing they may not hear, seeing they may not see, less they understand and repent and turn from their evil ways and I heal them. You go, why would Jesus do that? Here's the savior of the world because there was a covenant and they had so broken the covenant so many times that there was consequences of being cut off from Messiah. There's consequences to this. So David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow, bow down their back always. Israel, listen, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. You go, well, wait a minute. I thought he was the savior of the world. He is. We were just supposed to go through natural Israel in that process. Okay? But Israel broke the covenant. And, and so natural Israel has now been separated from, from it. Paul talks about this in Galatians 4, chapter 4, verse 20, 21, somewhere in there. He starts talking about the two covenants. Go and read that. All right. Now if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for their Gentiles, how much more their fulfillment? Ah, see a little break in it here? Look, if them being disobedient brought riches to us Gentiles, how much more their fulfillment? For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? See, I, I personally believe that there's a great awakening coming to America. But even more important, there's a great awakening coming to the Jews. Greater awakening than we have ever seen even in America. Jews by the thousands, if not millions, are going to be awakened to the Messiah. And it's going to usher in the King of Glory. Okay, Donald, and I'm going to talk about this later on in the next weeks, but Donald Trump was key in saving us a little bit here. All right. All right. For if their first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive branch or you being an olive wild an olive, a wild olive tree were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted among them 
You gotta understand that in the kingdom, there's two principles you have to understand. There's the grafting and the pruning, okay? Jesus talks about this in John 15, okay? Pruning is a vital part about, about, of bringing growth, okay? It's a vital part. He says, and then being a partaker of the root and the uh, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive trees. Do not boast against the branches. In other words, don't boast against the Jews. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You know what actually supports us? Christ, Israel, Judeo, the Bible, the, the, the covenants given to uh, the covenant given to them. Remember, this is a new covenant made to the Jews. We've been grafted in. Okay, how was that covenant facilitated through Jesus Christ standing there instead of them? Instead of them standing, look at instead of in the in the law, the Jews were on two mountains and they 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 did the blessings and the cursings, and the, Moses had them, you know, announce both. But in this case, Jesus did it for them that it would be in His perfect obedience, so you couldn't lose it like you could lose the old one. All right. I'm doing a thing on covenants. I don't want to fully go deep into that now. Okay. <clears throat> branches, but if you're going to boast, say this. Branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. In other words, their unbelief caused a pruning that God said they don't believe, and he pruned them. Okay. And you stand by faith. But do not be haunty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. In other words, don't be haughty, don't be prideful, because he's able to prune a wild branch a lot easier than he was able to prove a, graft, uh, a, a natural branch. If he can cut off a natural branch, he can cut off me. Now, he's not, he's not telling us you, you have fear of losing your salvation, but pride and unbelief, and this is what he's going to say, listen to what he says. Um, for God did not spare the natural branch, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue on belief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now, I want you to understand what his goodness is talking about faith. Receiving his goodness by faith. If you will continue in that faith, if you will continue in goodness, the goodness of God, which is faith. If I, if I stay there, I won't be cut off. But if I get into unbelief, not sin, unbelief. That's two different things. Okay? Two different things. Someone might sin. I just spilled my coffee, but thank God I'm, I'm nothing that's going to get damaged. Um, I don't get it. Um, sin creates a problem, and this is not a, a holiness teaching, but it creates a problem because it just it, it devours you. All right, let's keep going because I really don't want to go too much longer here, but we got to go through this. <clears throat> For if you were cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and uh, 
and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I, knew, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Boy, we saw that in Matthew. Okay? And so Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will, be, will come out of Zion and will turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Their new covenant, not an old covenant. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable or without repentance. We always love quoting that line, but we don't know what to really talk about. In other words, God has not pulled away the invitation from them. He called them. That's an invitation. He's called them. He has not, he has not pulled it away. He has not said, uh, you, you know, uh, don't come anymore. Uh, sorry, it's too late. Anyone of, of Israel, any Jew, let's see, who doesn't know the Lord, and then comes to the Lord and, and says, Lord, forgive me. I love you. I receive your son. God is able to um, put him right back in. And this, this word of, of invitation means, or this word to calling means simply invitation. It's a calling. It's an invitation. I just call to say, you know, we just, it's just a calling. And whether you answer the call, there's another word calling means he summons you before him. That's a, that's a more, um, uh, more uh, abrupt, you know, calling. And he does that to his ministers of his, he'll, he'll call us. All right. For the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable for as you were once disobedient to God. Yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. In other words, that's what he was talking about in the beginning, that he might provoke them by jealousy. Okay? For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy in all. You know, Paul makes this reference again, that he put all under the law, that he might have mercy. He found us all guilty. So there would be no doubt whether anyone needed the mercy of God. In other words, if no, if like only some of us were guilty and none of us were, then you can make the, the argument. But the scriptures make it clear: all have uh, sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and everyone needs Christ. Simple as that. Okay. All right. So I want you to know that that covenant with Israel is important, and that's why we have to watch Israel. That's why we have to watch Israel. Okay. It's why we have to watch what's going on, what God is prophetically doing in Israel, because that is one of his time clocks of end-time prophecy. Okay, Watch and see if, the, if a rumbling in Jerusalem starts happening where you hear of mass salvations. Now, I believe that Matthew 23 comes into play here when Jesus says, you will see me no more, and so you say, blessed is he who is in the name of the Lord. And I'll get into this in another part, but because they rejected the prophets, they're going to have to receive those who God sends to them. And they don't have to be Gentile believers. There's a lot of Messianic believers, Christians, who are doing a good job and are now challenging the Jews in Israel to come to Christ. And I believe that is only going to get 
better. But it's not just Israel. It's around the world. Look at pray for Israel. Pray for their eyes to be unblind. Remember, it's God. Pray for them to have mercy. God, give them mercy. You gave me mercy, Lord, have mercy. And remember, God blinded their eyes. Satan blinds the Gentiles. But God blinded theirs because of a disobedience to a covenant. And that's in the lesson of covenants I got coming up down the road. But God bless you. I hope this helps you. As we go through this, we still got nine more of these or so that I'm going to do. And so this is episode two. So look for those. Uh, hey, do me a favor. Like, subscribe, uh, whatever platform on Rumble, you rumble, uh, whatever it is, uh, whatever it is, like my Facebook page, my Rumble page, my YouTube page, I'm on Instagram, uh, whatever it is that you find me on, go ahead and do that. Share this video with your friends. Um, but I'm telling you, there is great salvation coming to the Jews. Fantastic salvation coming to the Jews. And it's going to be glorious. And I don't know if I'll be alive to see it. It might be after my time, but I'll see it regardless, no matter where I'm at. So God bless you and you have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.